Morning, family. Morning. Happy New Year. Just want to say, uh, Blake, thank you for walking us through that. It's been awesome to walk through all 52 of those questions and, um, and answers. Uh, there are 52 of them, which means there's one for every week of the year. And uh, if you're looking for something uh, to add to your repertoire of Bible reading and memorization, then New City would be a great place to start. It's a great resource, a great tool. Uh, both for uh, kids, for families, for adults, for singles, for everybody. It's fantastic. So I highly recommend that. I'm going to invite you to stand this morning one more time uh, before we come to the table and before we stand to worship. We're going to be turning in our Bibles. If you have one, grab it. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah chapter 2. We're going to read the Word of God together this morning. One small piece of liturgy that we practice together is at the end of the reading of the main text. I will say that this is the Word of the Lord, and we invite you to say, Thanks be unto God. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Let's read it again. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. Now just turn quickly over to Jeremiah 9. And we're going to read verses 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I do not normally use my phone for notes, but I am this morning, and it keeps turning off on me, so I've got to fix it, so I'm sorry. Bear with me one moment, because I have to even remember how to even do that. I can't remember how to... Do you remember how to make it not turn off? <laughs> All right. So it's a new year. And as it is a new year, and as we are human beings, um, it is an innate thing within us that causes us to look back on the past, usually with much disdain, 
and to look forward into the future somehow with some kind of bright and cheery disposition thinking that somehow we might actually be able to fix ourselves finally after all this time. And so we look at the new year. Thanks, brother. We look at the new year. We look at the things in our life that we wish we had changed over this last year and have failed to do. And so we say, a new year. And it's even doubly so this year. Why? Because everyone knows you don't start new year on January 1, right? You always start it the next day, because January 1's a holiday. So whatever those things are, we don't start January 1, we start January 2, and this year, January 2 is a Monday, right? Because you never start anything on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. You always start it on a Monday, right? Can I get a witness, right? That, that diet, that, that exercise plan, that Bible reading plan, you've always got to start on a Monday. So tomorrow is January 2nd, and it is a Monday. And as we start a new year and begin reflecting on this new year, our fundamental problem is that typically we start in the wrong place. We start in the wrong place because we start with ourselves. We try to go from self-awareness into every other issue of our life, including our relationship with God. But the truth that we need to understand this morning for this new year and for the rest of our lives is that we can never truly even know ourselves until we first know God. We can never truly even understand ourselves until we first understand God. You see, we must not begin with ourselves. We have to begin with God and then reason our way from God to everything else. We must begin with God in His own self-revelation and then from Him receive knowledge about ourselves. Why? Because we are not the sun. We have no power to illuminate anything in our lives. We are the object that must be illuminated. But God is light and in Him is no darkness. And darkness even is as light to Him. There there is no darkness in, in God. He is the one who illuminates. He is the one who has revealed Himself. And so how has God revealed himself? How do we learn about God? The children's catechism says that I go through with my kids. And the answer is, well, he reveals himself. And how does God reveal himself? He reveals himself through nature and through his word. And so we can say that God has revealed himself generally to all mankind through nature. Every single person who is born and who grows up in this earth can walk out into God's creation. They breathe the air that God has given them to breathe. They they see and experience the things that God has created. And so God has revealed himself generally to all through nature. 
But there is a special revelation of God and that comes through his word. And so he's revealed himself generally to all through nature, but he has revealed himself specially, especially through, to some through his word. And from his word, we can see that he has revealed himself most deeply and most intimately through his son, Jesus Christ, to those who by faith believe. And so for us today as Christians, as believers, as the body, it is easy for us to get wrapped up in the world's structure and system and calendar and everything and ourselves get wrapped up in this place where we hear the siren call of the do good, be better, get better, false gospel message that if we are not careful will actually lead us into bondage at the beginning of this year rather than into life. And so we come to Jeremiah 2 and we hear really a hard word from the prophet this morning. He says, two things I have against my people. They've committed two evils. One, they have forsaken me. And he gives justification to, as to why that is such a detriment to them. Why? Because they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. And then, they have hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that hold no water. So God, as God does and has done from the very beginning, God has offered of himself to his people. But his people have rejected God's offering of himself and have said that they will only be satisfied by their own efforts rather than being satisfied by God's provision of himself to them. And so rather than receiving the good gift that comes down from the Father above in His living water which He offers to His people, instead they have taken up pickaxe and shovel and they have hewn out of the ground cisterns for themselves. But the problem is, is that they are leaky reservoirs. Not only can they not hold the water that is dumped in them, but the water that is dumped in them becomes tainted and bitter like the waters of Mara. And so what we need to know and to understand this morning as we come to this new year is that the well that we need to draw from is not the well of our own works and our own effort. But the well that we must draw from is the well of the fount of living water that God has provided of himself. Which is Christ. It's Christ. And so I want you to again look at 9, 23 through 24. It says, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me. So 
as we begin to seek towards whatever the future may be for us, what we need to understand is that the only thing that matters for us, the only thing that is worth boasting in, is in knowing Christ and understanding Him. To know Him, to understand Him, to know who He is. Notice that the prophet says, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, the mighty man boast in his might, the rich man boast in his riches. First of all, we need to understand that our wisdom, our strength, our financial solvency, all of that is not from us anyways. There's not one of us who can boast in any of those things saying that we have done it, else we become like King Nebuchadnezzar who stands and looks at Babylon and says, look at what I have created and remember what happened to him. God spoke and he heard and it's not the voice he wanted to hear. This day you are called to account. We have nothing except that which God has already provided for us. And the things that we foolishly try to boast in, we have not created. Every single one of them is a gift from God. So I want to try and connect this in John chapter 4. Turn to John chapter 4. Now, this should be a familiar picture for you this morning, I would hope. The Samaritan woman at the well. And even as I thought about coming here this morning, I, I, I battled it, I wrestled it a little bit. I mean, it's so familiar. It's so familiar. But this morning, I, I want to visit it, and, and I want to visit it like a work of art that we've seen so many times, but we come back and we sit in front of and we just, we sit there and we just look at it and gaze at what has been presented there. So in John chapter 4, we have this narrative of Jesus meeting the Samaritan woman. So let's, let's look at it together. John 4 verse 1. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. He left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had, come, he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. Now just quickly, just a little bit of grace for us right there. I love that it tells us that Jesus was wearied from his journey. Right? Fully God, yet fully man. It says, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew... Ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, 
and the well is deep, where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will, be, will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying you have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with the woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say that there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Verse 39, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. So here we have this picture. It's a familiar picture. Jesus at the well with the Samaritan woman. And there's so many little things that you can draw out of this passage of Scripture. 
It's the sixth hour. Why is this woman here at the sixth hour of the day? It's the hottest part of the day. Most of the women in that town would have come at the early part of the day to get the water. Why did she come at the sixth hour? Well, probably because it's a small village and she had had four husbands and is living with a man who is not her husband. In other words, she's a hussy. And so she's coming in the heat of the day to draw her water so that she doesn't have to put up with the rest of the women in the village. She's hiding and she's coming in shame to draw water. And how she must have to come every day in the heat of the day. So hear her when she says, Sir, give this water to me that I may not thirst and not have to come here to draw water anymore. She's coming to draw water from a temporary well, a well that only provides temporary water. But what kind of water is Jesus offering her? He's offering her living water, eternal water, water that whoever drinks of it will never thirst again. And how does he offer this water to her? He offers it to her by making himself known to her. He doesn't remain hidden from her. He doesn't allow this to just be a chance meeting that happens, that she will go on from that point and from the rest of her life go, I wonder, I wonder, could it have been? Maybe it was. I wonder if that was. No, what does he say? She says, I've, I've, we know the Messiah is coming. What does he say? I am he. It's funny that there's not really many times, there are a few times, but not many times that Jesus just comes right out and says it. I'm the Messiah. But he condescends to this Samaritan woman and says, I am he. I'm he. And so what does she receive then? In this knowledge and understanding of the Messiah, she receives true and living water. She finds a new well to come and draw water from. She comes to the fount of living water, Christ alone. So here's the deal. Our propensity is to rest in our own works and efforts, to hew wells for ourselves, to draw water. But the problem is, is that they are lesser wells. And we go to lesser things to try and fulfill something that is lacking on the inside of us because we, we thirst. What is it that causes us to look at the new year and say, something needs to change? The reason we feel that way is because inside of us we feel a lack and we thirst for that lack to be fulfilled. But what we need to understand is that every lack that we're looking at to be fulfilled in our lives, really and truly the thing that we are yearning for and thirsting for the most is not a better body, it's not a better relationship with our spouse, it's not a better job, it's not better organization, it's not any of those things. Not that any of those things is bad. The problem is, is that we draw from them like a well 
to fulfill what's on the inside of us and to provide identity for us, not realizing that the thing that we feel and thirst for that we are lacking really in every single one of those situations is actually Christ. It's actually Christ. He is the true well and the one that we need to come to and draw from. So we need to, in order for that to happen, what what needs to happen? We need to know him. We need to know him. We need to understand who he is. Okay, well, well, no big deal. Why, Why is that a problem? Why is it a problem to know God? Well, it's a problem because God... is God. Think about Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. With two, he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. Now here's here's Isaiah, a priest and a prophet, coming into the presence of the Lord, having gone through cleansing ceremony and ritual to a place where, according to the law, he had to be clean before God. And yet when he comes in and God in his glory and his majesty appears and he sees him high and lifted up and the angels declaring the glory of the Lord, Isaiah knows one thing is sure. I'm a dead man. I'm a dead man. Why? Because no one can see the Lord and live. No one can see the Lord and live. And so Isaiah thinks this this is it. And what does he say? I am undone. I am undone. Why? Remember, priest, prophet, cleansing, everything, holy, as much, as holy as he could be. And what does he say? For I am am unclean. I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people with unclean lips. So, what's the problem with knowing God? Is that God, apart from Christ, cannot be approached by those who dwell in sin. The prophet Jeremiah comes, he says, this I have against my people. They have forsaken me, the fount of living water, and they have hewn out 
cisterns for themselves, but they're broken cisterns. They're, they're boasting in their own effort and their own work. They're boasting in their own wisdom to say, oh, here's the divining rod. Here's where we can, here's where we can draw. I found it, guys. There's water over here. Let's dig here. Let's, well, we got to buy, we got, we got riches. Let's buy, let's buy everything we need to dig the hole. We, we were strong. We'll, we'll dig our own hole. We'll bring our own water to the surface. And so God's people are boasting in their own effort and their own strength. And God is saying, no, you've missed it. You've forsaken me, who is the fount of living water. I bring forth life for you. I am offering it of myself. Where did the water come from in the wilderness? It came from the rock. And who does that rock represent? Christ. It represents Christ. It came from him. And God is here saying, I want to be known by you, but there's a problem. I cannot, because you dwell in sin. So what does that mean? It means we need an intermediary. We need a mediator. We need someone who can stand between us and God and make him known to us in a way that's safe for us. Because if it was not for that intermediator, for that mediator, then God's wrath would be poured out on us. But instead, God in his grace provided a mediator. The God-man, Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 2.5 says that we have one mediator, the God-man, Jesus Christ. He stands in between us and God and as a propitiatory sacrifice fully absorbs the wrath of God towards sin. Which is what led us last week to Hebrews chapter 4 to talk about this great high priest that we have. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. What does it say? Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in time of need. Jesus came to make God known. John says as much in John chapter 1 verse 18. It says that no one has seen God, the only God, but Jesus came to make him known. Jesus came to make him known. God can be known through Christ. And Jesus has made him known. Turn to John 14, 1 through 7. And listen to how Jesus talks about this. And what it means to know him. He says in verse 1, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. So Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, 
I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Listen to what he says in verse 7. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. It is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long that you, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Jesus is coming and he's making the Father known. And through him we can know the Father. Through him we can again draw from the fount of living water because Christ is that fount of living water for us. In him is life, John 1 again says, and that life is the light of the world. In John 15, just a chapter later, Jesus will say to his disciples in verses 1 through 5 that apart from him, they can do, well, they can do a little bit of stuff, right? A lot. They can do a lot. No, what does Jesus say? Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, what is Jesus saying there? He's saying you, you can't get up in the morning, you can't brush your teeth, you can't do anything. No, he's saying that all that is life that you have is from me, and apart from me you can do nothing. This morning, in the call to worship we read from Colossians chapter 1, that in Christ the whole world is being held together by him. It's being held together by him. Apart from him, we can do nothing. And then two chapters later in John 17, Jesus prays the great high priestly prayer. In verse 3, he says this, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. In this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus has come, Father known. He has come to bring that living water because he is the living water. He offered of himself to the woman at the well, and he offers of himself to us. Not just today, but every single day. It is by coming to Him. It is by drawing from that well that the things that we thirst for and lack in our hearts, in our lives, in our relationships, that is where they are fulfilled. So you want to go on a diet? Go on a diet. You want to get healthy? And exercise, go do it to the glory of God. You want to work on your marriage or your relationships or your job, go for it. And put your whole heart into it even. Do it for the glory of God, but don't use those things in your life to draw from 
as a lesser well because the only thing that will happen for you is you'll end up being thirsty again. But in Christ, you can come and you can drink and you can find what truly quenches your thirst. Because it's in Him that we're meant to find identity. Because it's in Him that we find out that we're adopted as sons and daughters of the Most High God. It's His children that He provides for. It's His children that He gives of Himself to provide what they need as a good father. So you want to change? Got things in your life you want to change this year? 2 Corinthians 3.18 I believe tells us the only way that we will ever truly change. Change from the inside out. Paul writes and he says this, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is spirit. And where does the fullness of the glory of God dwell? It dwells in Christ. So how do we change? We change by focusing our eyes and our attention on Him. We change by drawing from the well that brings living water. We change by going to Christ instead of to lesser things. This is what we need. Not to become a better version of ourselves, but to be transformed into the image of Christ. This is a work only to be done by the Spirit. And only as we look unto Christ as the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the fount of living water. And those who drink from the water that He offers will be continually satisfied as they come to Him and will never thirst again. And then what? Well, when you receive from the fount of living water, when you receive life, surely you cannot help but to turn and offer that to others. To go and to say, I found the one who has told me everything about myself. For we cannot start with ourselves and reason our way to God, but rather we go to God and learn from Him as He has revealed Himself to us and from Him begin to understand ourselves. Would you stand with me this morning? As we prepare to come to the table this morning, I want to end with Isaiah 55, verse 1. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. 
Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? Or your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And God, I pray that even as we have sat under the teaching of your word, God, we've gone through a lot of scripture this morning. Lord, this is what I pray. That God, our taste buds even would change. That we would cease to be satisfied by lesser wells that are broken and filled with poisonous water, God, that does not satisfy. Lord, let us come today to the fount of living water that is your Son to receive from Him life everlasting. In Jesus' name, amen.